What's shaking, my friends? Welcome to my podcast. I am the Trembling EMT, and this is my Parkinson's journey. What is shaking, my friends? Welcome back. Part two of the interview. Hope you guys are staying uh, COVID-free and staying indoors, self-quarantining yourselves. Um, tune into my um, podcast next week. Talk about your resources, but enjoy part two of this interview. Hope you guys like. I did the, I did the rock climbing, like, and it worked out the way that each day was something harder. Like the first couple, the first day, I think it was the mountain biking, then the canopy. The canopy was, I think, the most hardest because there was more things to do and more instructions and, and so I tell that story for twofold. One, because it was one of those that I challenged myself. So I get on the, they, they do the, the training on the, on the ground with the zip line. You're like a foot off the ground. They say, this is how you stop. This is how you turn yourself around. And I'm like, and this is how you pull yourself to the platform. I'm like, what do you mean pull yourself to the platform? They're like, well, sometimes you stop short. I'm like, oh Lord. I said, guaranteed i'm going to be the one that stopped short and sure enough second platform i stopped short so the gentleman how far out about three feet wasn't too far yeah no it wasn't too well it wasn't too far now now that i'm telling you it wasn't too far but were you were you crying at that point no no i was i was i was (laughs) the tree was shaking and it wasn't because it was windy so all right all right, so you had it under control. I had it under control. So um, I pulled myself over, and they're like, how was it? That wasn't too bad. I'm like, oh, it was horrible. I was like, I'm ready to be done. And he goes, it's challenged by choice. And I was like, come again? He's like, well, the t- these first two platforms, you can choose to not continue because you can get off. The next platform going forward, you don't have that choice because we can't let you down. I said, then let me down right now. They're like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah. Like, I came here to challenge myself. I've literally completed two platforms. I think that's a good, good achievement for the day, and I don't need to get ahead of myself. So he's like, all right. So he pulls out this bag from I don't know where because he didn't have anything on him. And I'm like, what's that? He's like, this is your rope to repel down. I was like, oh, my God. So I repel down. So you can either repel down or keep going. Yeah, and I was like, and I was like, considering he says you have the choice of repelling down now, I still took it. <clears throat> and then when I got a ATV ride back to so you the, did. You, you, okay, you re, you repelled down. I repelled down, which wasn't okay, as how bad. How high were you? I'd say about sixty feet off the ground, maybe a little okay, less. Okay, that's high enough. That's high enough. Yeah. But it was the first time I, I, I talk about having a support group, a support system, but realizing that or being able to recognize the support that you need, not the support that you want. And that was the first time that I noticed that because there was one gentleman, we're good buddies, and not that I was expecting a different type of support, he was my most supportive person in that trip and without and i recognized it about the third or fourth day in and out and looked back and i was like oh my god like I, 
he's been my my biggest advocate in this trip, and I least expected it from him, and not because I didn't think he could do it. It's just I wasn't expecting it, which made it yeah. even like yeah. gave me more more encouragement to do better and to push myself because I was getting that support. Because at the end of the, I waited a good twenty minutes or maybe half hour at the at the starting point at the gazebo where we got the instruction. And he comes by and he grabs me on the shoulder and he goes, great choice, and walks away. And I was just like, what was that about? And everyone's like, oh, the we had to rappel down from almost 100 feet or higher. It was like the longest. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? He goes, yeah. He goes, it was the worst rappel down ever. And I was just like, that was him giving me the support that I needed because I was just like, man, I could, what, 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 I was doubting myself and, uh, and I thought, could I have done it? Could, and he, he was one of those, like, you made the right choice. Don't kick yourself in the butt without even me. So you did do your own little amazing race. Oh yeah. I jumped off of a plank about a hundred feet in the air. Yeah. And then, (laughs) and then the zip line was fun because the zip line was 45 minutes of me thinking of having to come down the zip line. So when I get to the top, I said, hey, what are, like, do I have to open my eyes? And they're like, well, at the end, you have to open your eyes because if you don't, you'll hit the emergency stop. And I'm like, and what happens? He goes, it hurts like hell. I'm like, I'm okay. I'm okay with that. I'm comfortable with that. They're like, <laughs> okay. He's like, well, if in case you know. do, in case you do open your eyes, he tells me that I have to, like, open my arms and spread my legs to get to create resistance against the wind to slow down. Yeah. And I was just like, I am not opening my eyes. So I, I get, you get on this little pedestal, you hook up to the line and then you sit into your harness and your legs goes up. So now it's my son, myself, this lady named Lisa and this gentleman named Mike or Matt. Great guy. And he was like, hey, Eric, open your eyes. I can't see you. Open your eyes. And I'm like, I'm not opening my eyes. I'll see you at the bottom. I hear the click, and I feel the wind in my face. I don't know what happened, but my eyes opened about 30 seconds into the into the ride down. At this point, I see my son. I, my son's ahead of me, and I, and I look over as he's passing me hugest cheese grin on his face that I've ever seen. He starts yelling, where are you going? Wait for me. Wait for me. I'm looking over the lake, looking at the trees. It was, it was a very nice experience. I get to the bottom. I, I slow myself down, hit the, or come to the stop. I get off. Now I don't even remember her name. She, it was one of her summer jobs. She was maybe 20 years old. The, the intro, or the the person at the bottom unhooking it goes, oh, how was that? I said, I don't know, but I'm going to cry. And Tim, I <laughs> cried for like 10 minutes straight. But it was the most cathartic and most releasing cry I've ever done. And it was just like. Well, it's amazing when we face our fears and actually overcome them. Oh, my God. It was, ins- it was, it was great. And then everyone's like, "Oh, when are we going again?" I'm like, "Never!" Like, don't don't yeah. misunderstand my my joy, my joy of completing it. For I want to do it again. But 
and it was well, there's a, a good there's a good lesson in there for Parkinson's. Yes, because Parkinson's forever has another fear in front of us, right? Mm-hmm. We can, if we allow ourselves, we can dream up all kinds of things that might happen to us one day. And I find that we often want to close our eyes through it. We don't want to pay any attention. We want to stick our heads in the sand. But if we do that, we miss a glorious ride. Oh. Because there are lots of things along the road to be to be seen, to be experienced, people to meet, exciting adventures to be had. And if we keep our eyes closed the whole time, we not only miss it, but we do wake up when, at one point and say, what the hell's happened? How did I get here? Yeah. And we missed all this journey. And uh, if we keep our eyes open and just embrace it, we end up on this incredible uh, journey that uh, just is, has so many bad moments in it, frightening, terrifying moments, but so many incredible, awe-inspiring moments also. Yeah, and so it's... Your little, uh, your flight through the air there uh, inspires me a little bit. Oh, thank you. And it's funny because I listen, ever since the diagnosis, I've I've listened. I was I used to listen to motivational speakers on and off. I I've done it more frequently now, and the perseverance one, and then the Will Smith does one about fear and skydiving, mm-hmm. and he talks about the most. Everything before the event, there's nothing to be afraid of. And we ruin our lives worrying. So my new, my new phrase or my new quote that I've, that uh, there were two quotes that I used to say on and off. And then I said them together the other day and I need to write it down and copyright it before someone steals it. Cause I've said it too much. But um, you can't manage what you don't know. And most of us go around, spend our lives trying to manage what we don't know. And yeah, no matter right. how worse it is, there's no way you can manage it if you don't know that that is what is going on. Yeah, and I've never understood that way of thinking because uh, even as a nurse, I've always been the kind of person who wants to know what is potentially coming. When, when I first was diagnosed with Parkinson's, I wanted to know everything there was to know about Parkinson's. I wanted to know what the meds were. I wanted to know what's potentially going to happen to me. I wanted to know what the typical trend line is. How long do people typically stay in their jobs? How long does it take before this happens? This, 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 and this, and this. And other people are like, are you out of your mind? I don't <laughs> want to know any of that crap. But I agree with you. For me, it is much more comforting to know what's coming so that I can be aware and then manage it. Because then, there's nothing worse for me than to get surprised by stuff. Yes. I hate surprises like that. But then the planning but, is far more in my, my uh, wheelhouse. And it's a lot easier to do, like you, to plan stuff with stuff that you can know. You can't plan with the what ifs. Absolutely. But then people. We did a little uh, rental on our house this past year. And we sat down and we looked at it and we said, we actually thought about moving because all of our kids are getting, they're all adults now and you have them and their significant others over and you have no room in the house. So we either needed to rejig the house or we needed to move. And so we decided we were going to stay in, in reno. Well, one of the first things we did 
because I don't plan on moving anytime soon, was look at it through the eyes of disability ah. and say, okay, if we're going to do this, let's do it once. Let's not get even 15, 20 years down the road and have to take walls out and change this and change that because we didn't think. Yeah. So all I have to do to my house now ever is put a ramp up the front. If I need a walker, a wheelchair, or whatever the house is designed, More such that. a way that I can live here the rest of my life if I want to and never have to worry about disability. And that's the way I like to approach lots of things in life. Know what's coming. Know what's potentially coming and plan to the best of your ability accordingly. And that's where the second part of that, my quote, comes in. Because once you can't manage what you don't know, but once you know it, you need to accept it because you can't move right. forward if you have if you don't accept with, with what you know. That's right. That's and, right. I once had somebody tell me that they would never speak the word Parkinson's. I'm like, well, how does that help anything? Oh, <laughs> like I have Parkinson's. Parkinson's impacts my my world in any number of ways, I, colors and shades, lots of what I do and who I am. That's a reality. It's a description. Not saying yeah. the word is just hiding from it to a certain degree, at least to my way of thinking. That's like saying I'm not right-handed. I have Parkinson's. <laughs> I'm right-handed. It's it's a characteristic. So it's a character. It's a way to describe myself. Yeah. And some people would have a problem with even that that statement. You describe yourself as having Parkinson's, but the reality is, don't tell anybody. But I have Parkinson's. Well, and it and, affects my life in very real ways, and it's not some unknown mystical thing. It's my new best friend that I hate <laughs> that I've gotten to know really well, and I know how to manage him to a certain degree. Yes, and I name him daily, and then punch him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Show him who's boss. Well, as we like to say at U-Turn Parkinson's, I started a charity, a wellness center. That we'll have to talk about, but one of the things that we, uh, one of the little mantras that we talk about is um, Parkinson's is like a teenage kid that's moved into your house. He's a squatter. Nobody asks him to move in. Nobody wants him there. They called the police. The police can't get rid of him. They can't throw him out. So you're stuck with him. The judge said you're simply stuck with him. So does anybody move into your house unasked and get, get by without paying rent? Not in my world. We know one thing that Parkinson's hates. It it's hates exercise. exercise. Yes. So every day at U-Turn Parkinson's, I ask them, how much rent is Parkinson's going to have today to pay today? Or are you going to give it a free pass? Does it get to move into your life and squat? Or does it have to pay rent? Well, this is my house. It ain't pay, paying the mortgage. I am. If he's going to live here, he's going to pay some rent. Oh, yeah. I made him pay rent yesterday or Monday, and I'm still sore about from it. I'm taking the rock, oh, good. the rock steady boxing. How often do you go? Uh, two two nights a week, Monday nights two and nights Thursday nights. Now. How long have you been going? Been going for about a month now. They just got it's. They just got a program close to me, so we signed up. Oh, okay, okay, good for you. Yes. Well, I'm glad as soon as you got one in in town that you signed up. Oh yeah, fantastic. Oh, I had been looking for a so we've while. We've been going about three years now. Nice. Yeah, it's fantastic, and you got to you got to keep it up, man. 
Oh. We know that the one thing that's good for us is exercise. Finding that thing that you love to do and just keep doing it. Hey, and it's the, and it's the one thing that you can, literally the only thing that you can physically do to manage it that you're in control of. Absolutely. People often complain of, you know, feeling like they're out of control with Parkinson's. There are so many things that you can do to, to control Parkinson's. You can walk, you can swim, you can dance, you can run, you can cycle, but you now, can play ping pong, you can do so many things. The one thing that, that I've impact. noticed is when people say that it's they haven't been educated on the the non traditional medications or they're just lacking education on the disease. Because I've had, I the other day, literally almost lost my job on the ambulance because we got called for a lady who had, um, the call was for, for shaking. She's shaking more than normal. And now I had been going to the house for about three months, once a month. The lady would get discharged from home, from the nursing home. The son would give it a good-hearted attempt to take care of her, and was just overwhelmed. So they'd call us, we'd transport her, she'd be in the nursing home for a month, insurance would not pay, she'd come back home. The whole insurance and nursing home routine. We're doing the dance for a couple months. So when I get the, we get the dispatch address, I'm like, oh, it's such and such. I tell my partner, because it's his turn to write the chart. So we get there, and... Tim, I walk in, see this lady across the the living room, and it's a picture of my grandmother sitting, fussing with her hands, shaking, trying to reach for something. Like, literally took me back almost 20 years. But I don't say anything. I'm like, what's going on? And she starts saying she's having, she's, she's shaking more than normal, having hallucination, problem with constipation, and there was a fourth thing. And bells keep ringing in my head. I'm like, all right. It's, it's black. It has a white stripe. Smell. The smell is bad. I'm going to say skunk in about a minute. And then she says, she's on carpet over love open. So I literally blurt, oh, she has Parkinson's. And the healthcare professional that was there goes, no, she doesn't. And I was just like, okay, are you sure? And she goes, yeah, I'm sure. I'm like, she's on Carvedova Levodopa. She has constipation. She has hallucinations. I, okay. So she turns to the son and goes, does she have Parkinson's? And he goes, well, just a little. She was just diagnosed. My face <laughs> lit up. And I went to go say something. My partner, my partner goes, "Stop, let's go." I was just like, "A little, just a little bit, eh?" I was just like, "So I get, I get to the hospital. I give the report, and the nurse looks at me and goes, why did you bring her?'" I said, "Because I like my job, and I didn't want to get fired." But he's like, "I'm like, you're gonna have to do some mysterious education on the on on this one." She goes, "A little education." I said, yeah, just a little more education about the whole process. Well, it sounds like everybody in that story needs a little bit more education. Yeah, and it was, and granted, I'm more sensitive on the matter, but I'm pretty sure that was not the only case. 
that stuff like that happens. Yeah. It's fascinating to me that so many people know what Parkinson's is. When I travel and speak, I'll be in a crowd of 300 people, and you'll have 250 hands go up. You know, you say, who knows what Parkinson's is? Most everybody knows what Parkinson's is. They've at least heard about it. They've seen Michael J. They've seen Muhammad Ali. They've heard of Linda Ronstadt now. But they don't really understand it. No. They know that there's something about a little tremor, but they have no idea really what it means. And I've had so many people tell me that, you know, you look so good. And I've learned to just say thank you. Yes. But my gosh, it's one of the, one of these statements that I hate in life. Because if I felt half as good as I looked most days, life would be wonderful. They just don't see all the other stuff that underlies it, that, that goes on day in and day out. Because no one talks about it. What's the one thing I hate most about Parkinson's? And it's, I tell them it's the absolute tenacity of it. The fact that it's unrelenting. It never stops. Oh, I, I mention that all it, the you time. Go to bed with it. It's just con- constantly persistent. Yeah. That's a double something, constantly persistent. That's a double something. I'd have to look up those words. <laughs> <laughs> and my uh, my mom, she, she'll come in and she'll, she'll visit and she's like, oh, you're not trembling today. I'm like, no, no. It's still there. You just can't see it. And yeah, she it's always there. And it's and it's like my family it's a perfect example how my grandmother had it for for years. We all took care of her. And the amount of education I've given to my family they're like they look at me like what do you mean? And I'm like this these are the symptoms. This is what I'm experiencing. And they're like Wow, we didn't know that. I said, I know. I said, Grandma didn't talk about it because she got it later in life. So by then, the dementia and Alzheimer's came right behind it. Yeah. So she didn't. So these are the things that we have to continually talk about. We've got to be willing to tell our friends, our family, exactly what we're feeling and what we're going through. I made it a point. We don't. No one. They'll just never know. I made it a point on my last podcast to say, I, especially for me, and and I made a general statement about Parkinson's, but for any any person with a disorder, don't stare. Ask. Yeah, I'm tickled pink when someone asks me versus staring, and because yeah. I'll talk about it till the cows come home. But I can't tell you, you have anything. You to go to Canada, man. <laughs> Canada, they won't, they won't even stare. We are the height of polite. Do not look, do not stare, pretend that it doesn't exist. What? And so I'll be with somebody. I'll be, oh, yeah, I'll be shaking in my chair, just sitting there, bouncing along. Nobody will ever say a word. Nothing. Nothing. Finally, I'll bring it up. Like, oh, I didn't know if I should say anything. And then I start making jokes about it, and then they just about come out of their skin because oh, that's Canada, the best. You don't, you don't laugh at your Parkinson's. <laughs> oh, that is the best. Though what I I'm always making jokes. The one gentleman, I'm I think I was at the AT and T store or something, and we were going back and forth, and I was like, "All right, I know he's gonna laugh." I'm like, "I'm like, listen, I'm about to give you my repertoire. 
feel free to, and I gave him the consent to laugh. I said, laugh. And my son saw it and my son just stepped back and smiled. And I did my whole routine. (laughs) This guy, he was just like, nope, nope, not going to do it. Nope, nope. I'm like, why not? It's funny. He's like, it's wrong. I said, why? It's not wrong. It's putting Parkinson's in its place is what it does. It acknowledges that it has an important role in our lives, but it is not the all-consuming, important, godlike figure in our lives either. Yes. It deserves to have its respect, but not that much respect. No. There deserves to be have its consideration. It also deserves to be kicked in the butt with some hard work at the gym and a little bit of humor every now and then. Oh, yeah. And every time someone asks me, how am I doing? I'm like, fabulously trembling, but doing good. How are you? And it catches them every single, even the people that have heard it, every catches them every time. I'm, and they look at me, I'm like, it doesn't get old. It's never going to get old because yeah. it's not going anywhere. Always there. I always answer that. Though. People ask me how I'm doing, I'll say shaking along. <laughs> but I've really come to realize, you know, that this, this race that we're on, it's, it's not a sprint, obviously. It's not even a marathon. We are ultra-endurance athletes now. Yes. We are running a race for the rest of our lives. And I would like to think that uh, there would be a cure come along. The nurse in me is a little skeptical. But Tim, the non-nurse, is very hopeful that, that a cure comes along. But if it doesn't, I'm 55 years old. My average lifespan is probably going to touch 75 to 80. So I've got 25, 30-plus years yet to live with Parkinson's. So when you look at it like that, it's like, okay, this is truly a matter of perseverance. Thus, I wrote the book. But it truly is an ultra-long-distance marathon that we're on. And we have to learn to live with it every day. Got to pull our heads out of the sand, be willing to laugh about it, be willing to talk about it, be willing to tell people what we're going through so that we have the support and that the community at large understands Because the more they understand, the more they will encourage our wellness centers, the more they will give money to research, the sooner we will be able to to find the things that we need to not only live well with it, but hopefully cure the doggone thing one day. But I'm convinced that we as as the people with Parkinson's, and especially those of us with young onset, need to be louder and louder and louder in our proclamation of what we're living with so that people really understand what we're going through and that we need to stop telling people that it doesn't kill us because it does kill some people. I've watched people choke to death because they can't swallow. We have to have people understand more about this disease so that we can continue to raise the funds and have the resources and services that we need for the next 30, 40 years of our lives to live well with this thing. And there's my soapbox for the evening. Great soapbox. And that's one of the things that I'm starting to go to support groups and talk and spread the word about the nonprofit, my nonprofit. And I literally get asked, why aren't there more resources? Why aren't there more people talking about it? And it's a good question. I know. Good question. And I. Do, do you realize? Do you huh? realize that of all the conversations we ever have, about Parkinson's and exercise, that to my knowledge, there's not a single national organization in North America 
that puts money into resources and services for people to actually go and live well. Yeah. Think about that. There's nowhere you can go if you need funding to go to a gym. There's nowhere you can go if you need funding to start a gym. There's nowhere where you can go that says this is how you, aside from Rocksteady, that this is how you go about putting together a wellness center or a community in your center that can exercise together. Here are the things that you can start with. This is the way you can put it together. This is how you can live better together in your community. No one does that. No. And until at least I know myself, we're so the majority of the population is the elderly who are not working. There's no organization besides mine that I know of. Or no, there there's some organization, but there's no there's no community funding that says here's Here's funding so we can help you, so you can go to the gym and do exercise. We're expecting people that are out of work to pay $80, $100, anywhere between $50 to $80 a month to go to the gym and exercise. Yeah. To go to a gym where they don't want to be because they've never been in a gym their entire life, and now they shake and they drool and they feel completely... Um, self-conscious yes we want them to go put on a pair of shorts and a t-shirt run around a track with a bunch of people they don't know and don't understand what's going on with them nope uh just not going to happen so i think there's lots lots more that we need to do in actual the actual practical side of this discussion of living well with the disease where we actually need to provide the resources and the services and support those entities that are trying to do that to actually make it happen yeah, the only one that I know While that we continue to educate. comes close is the Davis Finney Foundation. I love Davis Finney. Yeah, I absolutely love the foundation. I, I actually those guys are my heroes. I I got the book a couple months ago and got the privilege of going to their um, Every Victory Summit. Yeah, uh, their yeah, the Victory Summit in Philadelphia, and yeah. I was I had a fire. Yeah, I've had the opportunity. I've had the opportunity to speak at a lot of their victory summits, and they oh. do an absolutely incredible job. Oh, my God. I wasn't in Philly, though. Huh? I wasn't in Philly, though. No, no. That that I know. I would have I would have came over and introduced myself if you were in Philly. Yeah. And it was one that of those. I had a fire before. I had a fire under my butt beforehand. After going there, I was just, I was in awe and I was more motivated more than ever. Yeah. Yeah. They do, they do fantastic work. Yes. Absolutely fantastic work. I can't say enough good about uh, Davis Finney Foundation and their Every Victory Counts manual is my personal Parkinson's Bible. Oh, yeah. It travels with me everywhere. And if there's any one resource I point people to, it is the Every Victory Counts manual. Oh. They just do a fabulous job. Yeah. And it's funny because I've, I've done my last four episodes have been right out of the book. I just open it up, whatever page I open up, I'm like, all right, let's talk about this. At one point, and you I can said, because they write it so well. Oh, my God. It's written so easy and yet so thoroughly that you can understand it and you can communicate it very, very easy. Oh, yeah. And yeah. 
And when you can't, and they even have videos. I've even played the videos to say, hey, here's someone with Parkinson's talking about and explaining it in case the words don't yeah. work. They have someone that can, that explains it. I'm like, they've literally thought of almost everything. Yeah. yeah no, Polly and Davis and the group, Connie, they do a fantastic job of what they do. Really appreciate them. Yes. But that's the one thing is people have to find them. And <clears throat> if the doctors or there's not something in the community pointing to them, they're not going to be aware. <clears throat> because I'm pretty tech savvy. And it took me a while to come across them and find a lot of the resources that I found. So I've been making it a point of, hey, someone needs something here. There's this foundation. There's this this organization because well, it's all still pretty new, right? Davis Finney foundation has been around just under 20 years. I don't know how long, I don't remember off the top of my head, how long the Michael J. Fox foundation has been around, but think about it. Probably That's not 20, 20 years. 25 years, maybe. Yeah. So we're not talking about a long time. So we're, we're working from a relatively new position with Parkinson's that we're actually talking about it. We've actually get have solid national organizations out there doing something for us. Our parents, and certainly their parents, lived in the dark with Parkinson's. Yes. Nobody talked about it. Yeah, it was just an old man's disease that you died with, and that was that. And they weren't getting diagnosed. I, I think people getting they're di- getting diagnosed sooner now than well, they What were. do you think? Are they? Are, did we miss it in the past? Were the young onsets there, or has something changed? Are we just getting it younger and younger now? My yeah. gut tells me that it's the latter. My gut tells me that we're doing something in the environment, either pollution or something, that's causing it to be more prevalent. And yes, this is totally Tim Haig's wild thinking here no backing to it whatsoever so don't take this anywhere (laughs) no no because you're not the first one that had posed that question to me and i think one we're living longer so we're noticing it i think it's a little bit of both i think we're noticing it more because we're more there's there weren't mds's back 20 years ago so there was no one so to the say. The older population continues to get it like they always have, yes. if not even more, because we're living more. But what about the young onset? We didn't used to see young onset Parkinson's at all. You didn't used to see anybody who was walking around in their 30s trembling. But where is that coming from? I see what you're saying. Yeah. So that's a little weird. Yeah. So what it means in the end then is we need we need those services, we need those resources, we need that education to happen more and more. We need to support the Davis Finneys, the Michael J. Foxes. We also need to equally as important support our homegrown community services. Yes. And yes, I'm being a little biased here. I'm talking about U-turn Parkinson's, but we need to support all of those across North America because that's where people are going. And getting the rubber meets the road help that they need. Exactly. The fo- while we wait for a cure. And I've always we said. We desperately need both sides of that coin, eh? We desperately need both sides of that coin. We need that cure side. 
But when you consider that we've spent nigh on a billion dollars, Michael J. Fox, I just heard, has raised and spent $900 million on research, which is incredible, phenomenal. It's to be applauded, hurrah, spend another $900 million. But we need the resource and services to go along with it because all of us who are sitting here living day in and day out trying to survive with this disease while we wait for a cure. But and did you know they have come a... in our lifetime? If it doesn't come in my lifetime, how do we live well with the disease here and now? Yeah, because until then... I'm still then... on my stump a little bit. No, no. <laughs> but, no, going back to the Michael J. Fox Foundation, and this I just found out because I did an interview with their research and marketing department. Yeah. They have what's called the Fox Den. If your organization that does research or mostly research or need research for Parkinson's, you sign up, you get vetted through them, and they all their statistics on their research, you can have. And one statistic that they said that the Parkinson's community are $30 billion just spent on Parkinson's annually in healthcare. Wow. Wow. Really? Yeah. I need to get that statistic. I'm that gonna, is an earth-shattering statistic. Can you imagine that? $30 yeah. billion dollars a year that we spend? Yeah. I'm, I'm wow. actually, you know what, while we're on, I'm going to... I'm going to forward you the, the link. Because, okay. yeah. And I'm like, that's great. I've been doing research myself. I've been doing research and sending out surveys to find out what, like, the cost and how many people are struggling. And it's all right there at, 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 the, at my fingertips. I just need to sign up, register my organization, and... I can have access to all their research through the Michael J. Fox insight. There's always something else to learn. So thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. So, and we, I was about to say our hour is up and we didn't even touch the amazing race. That's okay, man. Amazing race continues. Uh, We're running that race now through. It's called U-Turn Parkinson's. We run it through continuing to travel and speak and encourage people living with Parkinson's. And we uh, talk about persevering. So that's the new amazing race. Yes, yes, yes. TV show gave us a start. Now we have a little bit of momentum and we keep it going. Yes, I, I'm starting to build mom, mom, <clears throat> Excuse me. The Michael J. Fox did an article. And now that's created my momentum. And I'm trying to keep up with the ball that's rolling in front of me that I'm trying to grab. Keep up the good work. You're doing a great job. Thank you. You do the same. You do the same. So I'll throw my website out there if people want to know what I'm doing. Yes, please. It's uh, Tim Senior, TimSR.ca, and that's kind of my speaking and uh, my book uh, website. And then the really important one is U-Turn Parkinson's or U-TurnPD.org. U-TurnPD.org. And we take that name U-Turn Parkinson's from the race, believe it or not. Because on the race, you can U-Turn another team and they can go do some, yes. some extra work. And the goal is to slow them down or to eliminate them from the race. 
And so our goal at U-Turn Parkinson's is to slow the disease and ultimately see it eliminated from life. Nice. And the book is called Perseverance. The, the, seven, skills, Perseverance. the seven skills you need to survive, thrive, and accomplish more than ever imagined. That's right. Yes. And brand new uh, second edition is coming out in January, January the 7th. Oh. It's coming out in paperback. And it'll be available on Amazon and Apple Books and wherever you buy good books. Nice. I just put it on my cart right before I called you. Oh, awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. Hope you enjoy it. I'm pretty sure I will. I Thank you. All right. Hold on one second. Let me hit the stop button here. Oh, I lost my... Well, folks, thank you for tuning in. This has been my podcast, My Parkinson's Journey. And as always, I am your host, The Trembling EMT. Stay strong, keep moving forward.